Welcome back to episode two, Flavo Territory, still working title, although uh, we do have one person I told that to, and they were positive remarks, so <laughs> we might be sticking with it, but welcome back anyways to episode two, we made it, it's a big uh, big hurdle, big barrier in mm-hmm. most uh, most podcasts or things based on episodes, we got through one, got through the pilot, Yep. got greenlit for episode two, so uh, I'm, uh, I'm one of your co-hosts, Woody, and with me as always is... Uh, 2004 uh, sp- spring baseball <laughs> cut, uh, Stillwater baseball cut. It, it was a big moment in the, in yeah. the school's program's yeah. history. I, uh, I'd, like to, <laughs> I'd like to hammer that point home very much so, as that probably uh, is a big part of the culture of this podcast. But Dave, well, welcome back. Well, I, we got through that first week. We we talked kind of all over the place about Minnesota Twins. We did our recap of 2018, mm-hmm. and it was perfect because now a week later, We've got some things to talk about <laughs> with this team. Uh, good timing for the winter meetings starting the ninth. So the ninth. tomorrow, or technically the ninth today. So we're f- recording on a Sunday, uh, fantasy football playoff day. It's on in the around. background. It is. So we are uh, slightly distracted, but as always, that's most Twins fans. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think they're fl- they might be flying in today. Okay. So it's that weird thing of like everyone go out to eat. Don't do don't do too many drugs and uh, come back tomorrow morning ready to hit the ground running. But have the uh, first cup of coffee. Yeah. So we 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 got a good seven days since the last pod, and then again we've got two deals to talk about for the twins that really affect what we want to be talking about today, which is this team's lineup and their forty man roster without getting too far into this rotation as well as relief core. So that's that's what we'd kind of envision talking about today is taking a look at the lineup defensive orientation and i told woody this too what are the chances that this team this 40-man roster that we have right now is the starting lineup when we open up april 2019 and just a few short months away it really is we starts in march this year march late march late, late march yes which is uh which is a new twist to give these guys more rest is the the kind of goal and to see if uh, wow. we can drive interest in baseball farther down the drain than it already is. Um, it's one of the, st- I argue, one of the stupidest things you could possibly do. I get the one-off series in Japan, which is what they're opening with, with two teams, in in, or in March. Totally understand that. Why every team has to start in March, beyond me. And a great point, because the Minnesota Twins <clears throat> 2019 opening day is on Thursday, March 28th, against the Cleveland Indians. Right here in the warm, friendly confines of a 44 degree day. At <clears throat> 44. That, that's incredibly optimistic. Um, my December prediction of that day is going to be high of 22, uh, snow, and postponed. So I, we'll probably get your tickets now. Yeah, please. Is what it comes down to. But a... no matter the winter weather conditions, which will invariably exist during opening pitch, and maybe we'll have. Uh, Jake Odorizzi, he likes pitching in the cold, right? Wasn't that what they tried to sell last year? <laughs> like, hey, Odorizzi loves pitching in the cold. Come from, come come from warm Tampa indoors to outdoors and snow for two months of the season. Beyond that, let's talk a little bit about who's going to be behind him in this Minnesota Twins target field. Outfield, infield, 
on that cold March day. I like and let's this. let's start let's start in the outfield. I like this. This is I, I feel there are two things to talk about right here. But what I and I'll, I can take first crack at it, but I think it's pretty straightforward. Please do. Please do. It's a left field. You got Eddie. Center field is Byron. Right field is Max Kepler. Correct. So the, the only thing that's of kind of some interest with that is who is that fourth outfielder? Do we carry five outfielders? Is that person's name Jake Cave? Or is this the last we've heard of Zach Granite? Or, and Woody, you pitched, you pitched this one earlier, Max Kepler or Buxton, trade bait. Yes. Trade opportunities. There's a lot of interest out in the league for Max Kepler. We yes. saw that last year when they were talking with getting Chris Archer yep. from the Rays. And you have the idea of potentially trading Byron Buxton while there is still a market for him, which I would be heartbroken, crescent fallen, <laughs> and would question a lot of my Twins uh, <laughs> fandom. But I think I'll survive if that happens. But that's what I see. Those are I see the only talking points with an outfield that I feel really confident and in, in positive about heading into this season. That's fair. Um, yeah, so I, I think we're all in agreement that as of right now, we have a penciled in. Um, this next week is pretty crucial because mm-hmm. you do typically see a couple different things happen. You're going to see your your key major free agents that the Twins never have a chance at kind of uh, start, to, yeah, yep. start to figure out where they're going to go. I don't know if necessarily Bryce Harper and Machado are going to sign in the next three or four days, but we're going to start hearing a lot more reports of what teams are interested, what, more so what teams aren't interested, um, which is usually where the Twins fall in this, in, during mm-hmm. this week. Um but also, too, is you start to get some of those guys that have one to two years left or um, guys that have, like, five years left but too much money for the team they're on get talked about in moving. And this is where it gets interesting for the Twins as if uh, where you got guys like Kepler and Buxton who, don't get me wrong, and this is kind of why you don't trade them last year for Chris Archer, is that you assume that they could pull it around. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have a manageable contract, manageable team control with a guy that is a productive player. Uh, saying that, uh, <laughs> the, the two of them combined don't even crack 500 for a batting average. So it, it's also one of those things, too, and they're both now north of 25 yes. on opening day yep. age. I think Buxton will turn 25 soon. But on March 28th, they both will be – Buxton will be 25 and Kepler will be 26. Mm-hmm. And so how I see it is you kind of got to figure out whether or not what you're going to – what you're going to do. I, it, it doesn't really make sense. If one of these guys is like 22, 23, all of a sudden there's a lot more like interest going forward in terms of maybe we should hold on to him. But they both played roughly three full seasons in terms of like, hey, we're not like figuring out who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been uh, more so Buxton, injured, up and down, triple A, whatever. But at this point, you're kind of hoping for a trend that probably is has not been established yet. You're hoping that they make this huge jump to be serviceable players. And again, this is on the idea of contention. So we're not saying like serviceable players that are developing skills and are going to become... We're we're hoping to win north of 85 games this year. Yep. Which, weird, we could win the Central. I don't know if we need 95 this year, although it would be nice just to secure like a wild card spot. But in terms of contention, you kind of know who these guys are. Yep. Weirdly, Eddie Rosario is probably your outfielder you want to hold on to. Because I don't think the trade value is going to be there like it should be. But also, you could probably talk him into a pretty modest four-year, $36 million deal. That's not terrible for a 270 hitter. Um, but in terms of out of uh, Kepler and Buxton, who do you think is more likely to not be on this roster 
come March 28th. I, I got to think that, and this is, I think my vision is clouded too much by Buxton. Um, I have, I, I want Buxton to be that transcending player uh, with the speed, with all of his weapons that he has at his disposal. Yeah, as he should be. Offensively. Yeah. Uh, that's where I see he would be, who I would be more confident in staying on this roster. And like you said, just pulling up those quick, that, that Max Kepler, it is three years. We have seen what he will do. There is 20 home runs sitting here. There are quite a few sw- strikeouts. He's not commanding a, a massive OBP or slugging by any great extent. A decent defensive player. But again, 26 is their value there. He would he would be the component that I think the Twins would be um, – more willing to part with. But again, that vision that I am stating right now is a vision that has been built for the last 30 years of this team and this organization. And we talked about this last week. This is a new general management is different yeah, than we've yeah. had in the past. Rocco Baldelli is here. This is not the old twins. Correct. There are, there are limited bridges back to that outside of ownership. Yeah. So that's, that's where I'm not saying like a Buxton deal would be impossible or something that is mind-boggling, but I do think that Kepler would be the person that would be more apt to be moved because there are some options that you've toyed with last year that are relative replacement level. Yes. But let's hone in on that point of we want to be contending, and if we're going to be contending, there still is this dream scenario that these three, even if Kepler produces at the same clip he has the last three seasons – that's still a re- basically a replacement level player. Surround him with a Buxton who's getting on base, giving so many more opportunities, and that trickling down mm-hmm. throughout the roster. I mean, there's just that that positive spin I want to put on this is still an outfield that's anchored by Rosario Kepler, and then the crown jewel in the center is Buxton. True. I think too is if you look at a guy like Max Kepler, you're kind of hoping that he has the career arc like a Jock Jones, mm-hmm. where. We could maybe turn him into a power hitter. We could maybe turn him into like an on-base guy. But realistically, his his role is somewhere in the middle there. And you hope to get maybe north of 20 home runs. He's batting in the 270s. Yeah. Uh, the problem with that is Jock Jones, his first three years in the league, batted uh, 289, 285, 276. Mm. And then you'd think, oh, he's trending downwards. Well, then in 02, when we figured it out, he batted 300. Yeah. So he already is about 50 points ahead of... Kepler. Where Kepler is right now, um, Kepler also gives you potentially down the road some first base usage yes. options. Yep. Which bu- that's the tricky thing with Buxton is if he's not in center field, even if you move him to right field to kind of protect him a little bit, uh, the value isn't there. Like Buxton as a right fielder looks like a bust at this point. Buxton as a center fielder, you can kind of get away with it, but at some point too, you got to look at it and say, well, why don't we just trade Buxton and go sign Billy Hamilton if you're, all you're looking for is two thirty you know, 15 home runs and 45 stolen bases, and then a gold glove potential in the center field. Yeah. But again, we're, there's just that that hope that Bucks can be so much more, and that that is, again, I, I'm glad to say that that clouds kind of my vision for this. But Totally. I think uh, as you look at other options within the organization, we do have one young guy, I'm blanking on his name. Kirloff. Yeah. Yep. Who Just pulled him up yep. right now, who played uh, last year he was at, a and yeah, he's a level yeah ball. and he, he he's gonna be a september call well. this year in 2019 um but realistically does not give you any meaningful production until probably 2020 uh so that's another thing you gotta look at too is can we get away with 
one season, maybe half a season yeah. of replacement level outfield and then get Kirill off in and potentially get a guy that at this point has more potential than anybody on our outfield. Um, Buxton in theory should, but he's 25. And that's the scary thing with Buxton where he should be right now making all-star teams. Mm -hmm. And instead we're talking about whether or not his trade value is reflective of the second overall pick we took him at. And I think this is, I think you're honing in on something that the infield will be, I want to talk a little bit more about is holding pattern. And that's, that's, it's crazy to go from believing that the Kepston, excuse me, the Kepler, Buxton, Rosario, those three were the foundation, the building block, the blueprint to a competitive Twins AL Central team. To now just being like, these guys are holding spaces until next level. Yes. And if we're having a conversation about holding a place until we can get to that next level, are we seriously talking about a contending team here? That's a that's a very very good point. It. I feel like this new uh, kind of organizational direction um, with Falvey with Rocco Baldelli, they're giving the impression like we're building towards that. But they've been really kind of careful with their words not to promise too much too soon. This almost feels like 2013-ish, 2014 with the Astros a couple years before. Maybe the Cubs 2012, 2013 where we're going to bring up a couple of the guys and see what they do. um, But we're not going to just go out there and say, hey, we got all these top tier guys. We're ready to go. Um, I... Optimistic me looks at this roster, looks at the pieces we have, and looks at who we could potentially use as trade bait to bring in other, let's call them B-level players. Nothing that's going to make, you know, might show up on an all-star team or two in their career, but no one that's going to be really a, you know, perennial all-star guy. We can get guys like a Chris Archer. We can get guys like, a, uh, back in the day, Shannon Stewart, uh, mm-hmm. what we thought Rick Reed was going to be. Um, who probably honestly was more solid than not. He just was super boring. And, <laughs> um, but... He, sorry for all those Rick Reed. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Man. The, the three-finger changeup, that can't be your best pitch, man. you got to be a little more creative than that. Yeah. But um, And to do very Twins-like moves for guys that are probably going to be undervalued on other teams or across the league. But if I were to really think where this team right now, how it's constructed and what we're going to do, I don't think we hit the 85 win level. I think that's asking too much. I think we look a lot very similar to last year mm-hmm. in hopes that – Yes, we don't win as many games. And we'll get to the pitching stuff in, in another episode. But with the pitching how it is and with yeah. the, the the current position players constructed how it is, to assume these guys are all going to make – like we're asking four or five guys to make like really substantial leaps. Yep. And I don't know if that's realistic. Maybe one or two of them do, and that's great. But I don't know if that gets you to 90 wins all of a sudden. Yeah, and that, that's – it's – we wanted to be talking about this lineup with kind of the news that that broke over the week, which we'll of course get mm-hmm. to when we get to the infield here. But just that idea that it's not even we're hoping guys make steps towards is that they slow down regression. Yes, really. Yes, is is, is especially in the infield. And the, I guess the counterpoint to that would there be some legs to a healthy Bucks and we haven't seen yet. A healthy Snow wasn't last year. Yeah, and that'll kind of get us into the infield here a little bit, but. I, we said it in the first episode, Buxton still is the key. If you if he shows what he had in 2017 yes. towards that end of the season, oh, like man. that is a huge part of a ball club to have a player of that ability and just the special nature of the end of that season and the Twins getting to that wild card game um, is not too it's, – it's the rear view mirror isn't – that object is not too far away. <laughs> it is closer than it does appear after last season. And yes. that would just be 
my driving optimism is that this this 2019 team health potential and then blow it up if if not yes so, I think that's it, a good point it, it we gotta realistically we are who we are mm-hmm. in summary of the outfield here uh we're not going to just show up and be able to just buy an outfield no. or go out and trade for these guys that are going to come in and be 28 year old in their primes of their careers figured it out guys um we do have to kind of let the system play out and that means sometimes trying to figure it out and giving time guys a little bit more time yep. but this would be the we talked a little bit too like last week of with Pineda, and again we'll get to pitching later but there will come a point where we need to make a tough decision and typically the twins and, and minnesota sports in general don't make that decision correctly and usually hang on to a guy too long or get rid of a guy too soon for mm-hmm. reasons that are in, un, unexplainable david ortiz for yep. example yep. um what are we going to do when the when it's time to ask that answer that question with buxton yeah hopefully hopefully we don't have to Yes. But if it does happen, what are we going to do? Ideal scenario, and then do you get ahead of that question right now? I think so, is is the conversation here because there is you can you can play Jake Cave for 120 games, <laughs> but what does that do you? I mean that that is for me kind of thrown in a towel for you know a player that Buxton ceiling versus Cave ceiling. Yes, and like nothing against Jake Cave or even Zach Granite, but I mean there are certain ceilings that are not being pushing your roster towards that 85 win mark like Byron Buxton healthy productive totally. could be. The message it sends when you're throwing out Jake Cave, uh Zach Granite, Lamont Wade who mm-hmm. made the 40 man roster yep. and then Michael Reed who we just signed. Yep. Um who I think Reed's going to end up being that fourth outfielder. Yeah. Um and then it comes down to Cave and Granite kind of we're going to have injuries that always happens. We're yep. going to have like little like week spells and 15 day spells throughout the year. Um but figuring out and Reed might not work, but Figure out who's our fourth outfielder, but how much they play, I think, is where the message is going to be sent of what we're trying to do uh, developmentally, and also who are we trying to you know keep around for the long haul here. Yep. So that that's that's your upfield uh, again. It, it is it is a higher ceiling, but there is some trepidations that we have we've had for some time and that were not solved last year. Yes, correct. Uh, which moves us into the infield, which moves us into the major moves that the Minnesota Twins. <laughs> Fast on the heels of the Seattle Mariners, uh, yes. made probably the biggest changes to a roster uh, in the last week here. At this point, yeah. The Mariners trading Cano, uh, second baseman to the Mets, acquiring some younger pieces back. Um, so the Twins right. making an answer, needing to address second yep. base issues. Yep. Go out and sign a guy, uh, great, great player, uh, Ronald Torres. Everyone, <laughs> everyone's super pumped about him. Um, really, really cost-efficient guy. But no, realistically, uh, all, no offense to Ronald Torres, who probably makes this roster. Um, Jonathan Shoup. Uh, scope, scope, scope. Who I want to? Yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, we're gonna have this. Is one I want to bring an issue up. Issue number one. Uh, I know how much Twin fans and Minnesota fans love getting on. Like, think of like the Boof Bonzer thing, where you can just yell "Boof" and mm-hmm. like really loud. Mm-hmm. How long does it take for the Twins fan base to understand it's not Shoop, <laughs> so that they can't just yell "Shoop" whenever like he's up? I don't think that's ever gonna happen. You I might feel just this want to consider changing. This is an appropriate. Uh, and that's tough because I, I feel that if you were to be a member or contributing to Twinkie Town to any publications of the Twins blogosphere, mm-hmm. you, that's pretty well established <clears throat> right away. That's one of the first things you read about. But if you're the if you're the person coming on in from the suburbs here to watch your favorite Twins team and Scope launches a second inning home run shot for uh, what will be one of his 32 home runs this season at Target Field. That'd be great. People are probably going to start yelling, shoot. <coughs> or they might play some 
terrible music selections to celebrate that. Yeah. Or uh-huh. you could be clever. This is where it'd be great to be in that marketing position to be like, okay, let's get ahead of that. Yeah. Pull up the tube of toothpaste and make sure that simple Minnesotans can understand that shoop is actually scope. And also that I'm going I'm to petition two things to, to one, Jonathan Scope. One, that we uh, work on a campaign for February uh, that is just basically around scope, everything getting around. <laughs> but then, just to throw them just when everyone's like about to figure out it's scope, not shoop, your walk-up song is salt yep. and pepper shoop. Yep. Yep. Like that that yep. makes way too, much exactly. like way too much sense that that has to happen. Like, were they just messing with us? It, yeah. <clears throat> maybe it is shoop, and then, and then we're just going from there. Um, <laughs> it might just be easier. Uh, you might find yourself... Earn yourself a long-term contract from that, uh, just from Minnesota alone. Uh, fan favorites tend to stick around. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. Looking at you, Denny Hockey. Yeah. Uh, but all, in all reality, it, it, it's an interesting move. We were kind of talking about this a little bit last week yeah. of uh, you were very uh, specifically on one side of whether or not Brian Dozier is on this team again. Yeah. And your wish looks like, as of right now, mm-hmm. to have becoming true. Yep. Um, we still have plenty of time this winter, during the winter meetings and the offseason to, to fuck that up. Yep, and we could have this weird like can sh- can scope play shortstop conversation, <laughs> <clears throat> but I, hopefully not. I, I'm thinking that it is very safe that Jonathan Scope is your going into this Minnesota Twins season as the starting second baseman. Yes, because I also think the starting shortstop is absolutely set. He's one of the youngest players on this team, and <clears throat> he had outside of missing the first half of the season, one of the more productive second halves it's for true. this team. I think Polanco. At short, scope at second, middle infield is set, and there is plenty of options in depth behind him because of that signing of Torres. Yes. And you have Adrianza still. And I love the fact that Adrianza has that switch hitting ability um, and along with Polanco. So we have some options. Both of those guys looked at some of their numbers. They are solid. Yeah. They are what they are. Middle of the infield, I feel, is pretty set to go. Yeah. And again, addressing that second baseman, and I can't recall if we had brought up Scope when we talked about it last week. He was on the short list. I think he ended up on the cutting room floor. But he okay. was, he was. Uh, I'd like to say we were in the know and just didn't want to break things on a. Uh, on we the had podcast. sources and yeah, you know, sources early on telling we us. can't be too. <laughs> about that. But it, it it is it is a deal that again the upsides there. This is a guy. Let's let's run through it. He's a Gold Glove winner two years or several years ago. He's an yes. All Star two years ago in yes. 2017. 30 home runs. 30 home runs. Yeah. A big part of uh, some resurgent. Orioles clubs had a terrible, terrible stint in Milwaukee this last year. He did. has to take a pay cut. He's getting seven and a half million dollars this year from the Minnesota Twins in a one-shot redemption, which we've got two of those on the right side of the infield. Uh, the scope one I'm a little more excited about yes. than the CJ Crone. Well, too too fair as we have two CJ Crones and we yeah. Right. Two, yeah yeah. <laughs> um, so the two CJ Crones, one Jonathan Scope. Yeah. So, some could argue. Uh, you know, two is better than one, but in this case, probably not. Um, but yeah, scope. If we do kind of a, a mini deep dive here, he we mentioned 2018, not the best year for him in general. Ended up at batting 233, but really, if you look at when he went to Milwaukee, he batted 202. Mm-hmm. And on a team that was in a race, meaningful yep. games, yep. had the MVP on his team, yeah, uh, and Kristen Yelich. So there's a little bit of concern. This seems like a classic Minnesota guy to get. <clears throat> um, also, to me, seems like the perfect candidate for a Phil Hughes, Phil Hughes extension that is unwarranted and unneeded. Mm-hmm. So I get a little worried that we're going to all of a sudden offer him like a well, a, a bigger the, deal the, down the road. Well, this is this is where we get back to the stopgap yes. and the carryover bridges because Nick Gordon's right there. Royce Lewis is 
I mean, we, yeah. we're talking Kirilov, we're talking Royce Lewis, and we're talking Nick Gordon. Nick Gordon didn't have the best AAA season, but he's going to be in the major leagues sooner than later. And, and we had talked about it, I think, mm-hmm. last last week. That's your second baseman, heir apparent, or yes. the, the guy that you want there. So Hopefully. scope, yeah. like, if he, if he is able to figure out some things and maybe in saying that right away it's like maybe we'll figure it out there's your there's our podcast Minnesota Twins 2019 maybe they'll figure it out maybe uh, so th- there's the upside of course with the past he's not he's 27 as well yeah young guy. I, I just I, I love looking at this roster it's still so young and young in a baseball term these these are guys who are relatively should be entering into the prime of their careers but we shouldn't be seeing massive regressions from 26 to 27 yes. to 27 to 28 yes. i mean those are more looking in your early 30s or getting to that point so that whereas I, I push back against the the regression factor and still maintain some positivity about that yes. so scope's younger and again he seemingly is that if this doesn't work out you know what we've got we've got again middle infielders that can step in that we know yeah uh, with adrianza has done a solid job in the role yeah. that he's been asked to play. And Torres is a very similar... He's a serviceable um, guy. He, anyone on this roster that I look at can fool, uh, fool a pitching staff in a three-game series to thinking that they're the second coming of Eduardo Escobar. Yep. So yep. I, I think that's what you look at. In the course of a 162-game season, you want nothing to do with these guys as your everyday guys. No. But patch some stuff together and play some matchups and kind of kind of be a crafty. Yep. I think we, yep. we're... And we're that's where, again, you've got, you've got a switch-hitting... Adrianza on the bench. Uh, we don't have a lot of, and this is jumping. Let's let's finish off that that third base corner. Yeah. Our, the name is there. It's penciled in. The hope is that he can do something better than last <laughs> year. And that's Miguel Sano. Uh, that's where it gets a little scary for me. If Sano is not able to get in a place where he's productive, or it continues to be a uh, what, what do we even call last year for Miguel Sano? Um, we call it uh, uh, Photographer Gate 2018. Photographer Gate. And I, here's what basically you're hoping for, which isn't great, I'll admit. But we're hoping that like that was the reason, was that he had all this off-field stuff. He had the injuries coming into the season, came out, you know, hot off an all-star uh, team appearance in 2017, looks to be the face of the franchise because Buxton, we don't know, can't really figure it mm-hmm. out. You know, we're sitting in, at the end of 2017 – 17 between Buxton and Sano as two guys that both look like, hey, they're about to make that jump. Yeah. And then both just shit the bed. Yeah. Um, for different varying reasons. But uh, you hope that some of the off-field stuff is kind of behind him. He's only 25. Yeah. Which is insane to think about. Um, I think he's 25. Well, this is this is a good point. Um, we hope he's 25. And he only had... He only played in 71 games last year. Yeah. He's never... His best season was his rookie year in 15 when he played 80 games and he batted 269. He doesn't look to be like a guy that's going to be your classic like 280 hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, he's probably looking more so in that mold of like a hopefully a 260 hitter. Yeah. And you got to put hopefully in there. So what do you do with Sano and in hopes that he doesn't just become another Logan Morrison, another CJ Krohn, a kind of a hired bat that can hit home runs but – his strikeouts are always going to be really yeah. high, and he's not really going to get on base much for you. Um, I don't know. Where do you see Miguel Sano kind of going in 2019? This is it's it's tough to know because that we know that the the floor is kind of endless. Yeah. In that in that that ceiling has all of a sudden lowered quite a bit. So if you're sitting there and thinking we can get this guy to play a hundred plus games at third, 
and get him to be hitting over 250 and to be in that conversation of 25 plus home runs mm-hmm. like that is that is a big step forward and there, there's some space there to be to be back to that 2015 clip but defensively there were some it, he's going to be suspect at third now we've seen him make some great plays in person we've seen sure. him make some great sure. throws yep. across the infield so we know there's some degree there but if there's an opportunity to kind of get him and some at-bats at DH and kind of move that around and let Adrianzo, who I think played a little bit of third last year. He, he has the ability to. Or Torres, regardless. maybe that yep. would be another key yep. to see how much depth and we can layer into uh, making sure that Miguel Sano is healthy, that he is getting some rest, getting some at-bats. So I think there's that's what I'd love to see is that 250, north of 250, north of 20 home runs, 25 hopefully, and being a productive big bat at that number three or four spot. Yeah. And again, you've got some that the depth of this infield hopefully allows for some some moments where that can happen. But he has to be your your third baseman if this team is going to be an eighty five win team. I would agree. So there I, are there seemingly I think we're getting towards there's some we need things to happen that didn't happen last year. Yes. Obviously for it to be an eighty five yes. team. But these yes. are things that with what we saw last year are kind of big asks. Exactly on the big ask part. I, I look at what what really concerns me about Miguel Sano is when I look at kind of his kind of career, hopefully what you're looking for, and which is a weird thing. I think of who is an other. He's listed at 6'4", 260. There's no way he weighs two sixty. All right, let's just start there. That's like me saying that I still weigh like two hundred pounds. Like, <laughs> all right, we're we, we're north of that. So as much as we don't want to th- want to believe it, um, you hope that he's kind of like another overweight third baseman, Pablo Sandoval, mm-hmm. where. Defensively, it doesn't really make sense, but it works, and it and he can kind of hit for power, but there's going to be some kind of holes in it. The problem with that is Sano's never played more than 116 games in a season. We're now in season four. He's had the first season, which was more a minor league issue, and we wanted to bring him up in the middle of the season. Understandable. But after that, we're looking at injuries which are already racking up for this guy. He's already going to be bigger than probably that frame can allow. He started as a shortstop, remember? So this guy should have been more, like, agile and athletic, and they had to move him to third. And then he, that was almost, like, the perfect green light for him because, like, sweet, now I guess, like, yeah. not watch what I eat anymore because yeah. I don't have to make weight at 215. And so I worry durability going long-term with him. Yeah. Also the batting average, which I mentioned yeah. before, he's never batted over 269, which was his rookie year. Um, he dipped down to 199. There's not a ton of great data when you look at guys that get that well below 200 and, and have this many injuries. Um, so you look at a guy like Sandoval, who also did play a ton of games as well, had some injuries. He was at least batting around 300 for his first five seasons. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at some of these guys where we were hoping they'd be higher. And I don't know. This is where it's going to get interesting. Where we, Are we going to take the route where it's going to say, you know what? We don't really need him to bat 280, but if we can get him to hit 35 home runs then that's all that matters in, that, in modern baseball right now that in, might be it that that is that's that's an interesting point because that 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 power standpoint in swinging free swinging teams we seem to have a very free swinging lineup right now mm-hmm. just looking through this thing uh you've got buxton who racked up quite a few k's in his appearances uh, yeah. last year in the year before admittedly scope swings quite a bit Mikel, we know, and CJ Crone does as well. And that, and that it, it, it'd be interesting to see how different teams are approaching that. I thought I recall teams kind of going in a little bit of a different aspect than that in a couple mm-hmm. areas and finding success. Now the Twins are 
apparently kind of doubling down on that. Yes. That aspect of we're bringing in these guys. There's there's some power here that's a very swing-happy lineup. Yes. And, and we're going to see what that brings to the table. But there's certainly that durability is a major, major question mark. And just double-checking, 28 games for Adrianza at short last year, yep. 11 for Torres. At, or, I mean, excuse me, at third base. Okay. So Adrianza, 28 games at third. And Torres played 11 games for the Yankees at third. So there's that depth. There's that layering. Because if you can give him that rest, those breaks, move him over to first a little bit, let Snow play first a little bit, that opens some options up. And then you have three right-handed, (laughs) free-swinging power hitters that you can (laughs) platoon at first, which is the other thing on the flip side of this. We have redundancies in a couple places. Redundancies on the bench with Adrianza and Torres, whoever makes that, mm-hmm. if they choose to keep both, Torres does have an option left. Yep. So they could stash him yep. down at AAA. But you've got first basemen's named CJ Crone, Tyler Austin, Miguel Sano, and don't forget about, but maybe sleep on, Mitch Garver. Mitch Garver, I think, and this is maybe, the, the again, when we're looking at the Twins in 2019, is a, a glaring issue. But Mitch Garver might be the, and I hate that you have to say this, but kind of like the X factor in terms of where we go next. Mm. Is that if you see more and more Mitch Garver maybe getting some shots at first base um, and you can kind of get him out from behind, the, you're able to play a better fielding catcher and also get Mitch Garver's bat in, in and not use the DH spot. Yeah. So now you, you have a bunch of fight more. You just have more flexibility. So Mitch Garver last year played five games at first. He had 86 behind the plate, six as a DH, uh, not to mention his one pitching outing where he threw one inning uh, in a long relief in one of what has to be several games where the Twins had to feature members of their uh, infield to close games. But his offensive stats, and this is where he hit seven home runs, 45, 45 RBIs, He's got just a little bit over 300 plate appearances or over 302 at bats. The guy is slugging 335, or excuse me, 414, OBP of 335. He got some walks, and he is somebody that had a pretty decent season last year, yes. especially if he's catching most of those games, yes. which is why I still see why not have him as your starting catcher. Tell me on why we need Juan Castro on this team. Yeah. Uh, I think Jason? Jason, Jason Castro. Jason Castro Juan me. Castro, Jason yes. Castro. Realistically, we don't... Castro's a, like a career 204 hitter. So this is, just again, at some point, like we probably should get on base. Um, I The Castro thing's interesting. Last year of the deal, making $8 million this year. Um, I think there's a good to great chance that we trade him. And that's... A, uh, just to clear some of that money away. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anyone would necessarily take him back. But... If we could get rid of him in, like, July. Like, he's a very high candidate to be a trade piece there, which creates two issues. One, you're going to have to play him because so teams can see they can still do that. But also, we brought him in specifically for some of the starters that are not on this team anymore. So, Irvin Santana, Phil Hughes, uh, Ricky Nolasco. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, these guys that, like, hey, we need a, guy, a catcher that can really be a game manager for these for some of these pitchers that aren't 95, 96 mile an hour power arms, which again, don't necessarily have on this team. Yeah. But I think the need for a catcher that can do that is probably lower. And I'm not saying that Mitch Garver can't do that. Uh, I do worry that if Mitch Garver is the only catcher left and then we have to resort to Estillo. Uh, Asadio. Asadio, yes. Um, 
we we could get ourselves in kind of a pinch a little bit there. So I I, I don't mind Castro on the on the team, especially for the first half of the season. Okay. Um, and then we could stash Osadio at the same time too. If we just move, ah man, so this is and this is where I kind of go back to my original point with Mitch, where between Crone, Tyler Austin, Mitch Garver, and Sano, you have four guys for what I see as realistically three roster spots. Mm-hmm. And then if you move Mitch out and you keep Castro on the on the on the twenty five man roster, now we're talking about four guys for two. Like we don't there's too many redundancies. Um, you can hide Sano at third or move him to DH and you're okay. But if you have Sano take up your DH spot, here's the issue you have now. You pretty much are just wasting Tyler Austin. Mm-hmm. I assume that if you sign CJ Crone to a one year four point eight million dollar deal, that he's not going to get cut. Yeah, he's pretty safe. Unless he's traded by the end of this next week or the yeah. next couple weeks. Yeah, which again, I, I I think you don't pick a guy up and sign him to then go and trade him. Yeah. That doesn't sound... It sounds like this is a Rocco Beldelli move. We, we hinted at this last week that maybe he brought his guys along with him. And this is one of those guys he wants to bring. Of who understands the day-to-day stuff, can kind of tra- be that translator guy in the locker room um, or in the clubhouse for them, etc. So, what do you do with Tyler Austin? Um, which again... Overall theme, if we're asking what you do with Tyler Austin, you got some bigger issues on your hands. Yeah. And especially when the questions are in redundancy. Yeah. And, and, and this this kind of brings up the point, like, what 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 would be ideal then for this Twins team? Oh, I mean, it, take all these players outside. We're not even talking about players. We, we would love to have a solid third baseman that we could count on to play that position for 130 games and sure. last the whole season. We would love to have a first baseman and then a DH that – were interchangeable and that could feature a lefty righty combination and give us some options. We don't have that. So what would it take to get to that? Are those are those options available? Would be what I would love to research and see. And maybe that's kind of the way it shakes down because it feels this is very close to what we will be seeing on that March beautiful day at Target Field. Uh good question. Are you are you gonna be going to this opening I, day? I, I'm thinking about this might be another season where I, I head out there. Nice. Uh I am, I am, yeah, I'd, I'd commit to that at this point in time. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens in spring training, if there's any reason to jump ship. But at, at this point in time, I, I still think I gave a kind of a hesitant thumbs up about this team's um, 2019 prospects. But it's a very, very um, couched and limited enthusiasm. That's Understanding fair. that there's, there is, there's a bottom as well as a ceiling. That's fair. Okay. So to recap, I've got one, two, three, four, five. Mm-hmm. I've got ten names. Typically, what we see is 12 yep. position players kept yep. and then 13 pitching players kept yep. to start off. Yep. And then there'll be a shuffling, obviously, throughout the year. So, your two catchers. I got Castro and I got Garver. Okay. And then in the infield? Well, around. So, you got first, you got CJ Crone. Mm-hmm. We go to Jonathan Scope. We go to who starts will kind of be more of a, a spring training feel out, but I'm projecting it's going to be Jorge Polanco. And then Sanoa third. Yep. Um, Adrianza is going to be your kind of utility guy in the infield. Mm-hmm. Doesn't give you much outfield help, but that's fine. Um, your three outfielders, you got Rosario, Bucks, and Kepler, as we mentioned. And then that leaves two openings. So mm-hmm. Ronald Torres seems like, to me, the perfect candidate to stash and then wait and see. Because yep. you only have to pay him 250 k if he sits in AAA. Yep. And that's 800 k if you move him up. Yep. Um, how that works is as soon as he gets moved up, he's on the 800 k the rest of the year. Yep. So even if he gets sent back down to AAA, which in theory couldn't really happen, but if it did, one he, option left. Yeah, he wouldn't get to like you couldn't just yeah. like start prorating him and paying yep. him 250 again. 
Um, I think Lamont Wade is just on. I don't. I think we just filled forty names. Mm-hmm. So Wade, I think, is kind of a a guy that maybe maybe he does have this crazy spring training and all of a sudden ends up on this roster and, and continues that. Um, but most likely not. Uh, Jake Cave, Zach Granite. We kind of understand who they are. Yep. Um, and then it's Michael Reed. So in Tyler Austin. God, we feel DH. Yeah. Because again, we, we went around. So there was our two catchers. That's our two. And we had one, two, three, four locked in for the infield yep. with fifth being Adrianza. So you technically would have one more infield spot. Yep. And is that filled in by Tyler Austin before we get to those five outfield positions? I don't think so. I I don't know what you do with Austin. Um, I don't know his option situation either. But uh, And he's a guy that you, you made a move for last year, which is key because that was still the same – uh, like organizational structure. Yep. So yep. this wasn't like this was a previous regime move, and now you're just kind of figuring out what you do with them. Um, you'd hope you can stash him away in AAA. I don't think he makes the twenty. I don't. I don't know how he does because who you're saying there's going to be two other outfielders then that that take up those spaces. I think you need at least you... one true fourth outfielder. Yep. Who so, we think we project is Jake Cave. Yeah, which makes sense right now. Um, you know, like Michael Reed isn't anything special. No. So I, I very much could see him just getting, you know, either option down the AAA or just wavered. Um, and that'd be fine. Uh, we're not going to, we're not going to have Nick Gordon start the year. Nope. That's just not how the twins work. And I don't, I think that's not how baseball really works. We're probably going to call him up in June. Um, save that fifth, that extra year of arbitration for him, which kind of shitty for the player at the same time for a guy like Nick Gordon, he hasn't really earned that call up either. Um, so that leaves, I think it's be Jake Cave. Oh man! So in this scenario, Tyler Austin could make the roster. Yep. But why? Why does he? And that's and that's where I was just going to try to see if in Rochester last year, if we take a look at the Rochester Red Wings, their team and who we have left, are there some pieces there that would be more intriguing to bring along as that final man out of the um, twelve in twelve roster spots that we traditionally are dedicated towards offensive players. Now, this team could also go crazy, I think. Has there been some talk about a 13-man or a, excuse me, a 14-man uh, pitching, pitching staff? Yep, so that, that's staff. kind of the, if you kind of read the reports now and seeing what Tampa did last year, they want to kind of experiment more with yep. being uh, kind of innovative is what they'll call it with yeah. some relievers starting earlier and start pitch starting pitchers coming in later. In Williams Astadio, is he maybe your second catcher and then Garver is that DH spot. Considered and then yes. Tyler Austin's on the out. Because yes. the other down at AAA last year, your guy, your favorite Kenny Vargas is still down there. God, hanging out. And then it's Gordon. Um we had oh yeah, Chris Carter was on the Good old Chris Carter. Chris Carter uh was back there, but he is now 31. So I, I, I'm not sure. Well, that'll be we're looking here at the Twins' 40 man roster, or the the 20 at least our infield positions. There are some questions to be answered going into spring training with this set. Yes, and to be fair, uh, Asadio did bat to 355 in yep. 97 plate appearances. Last and year. provided some of the most memorable moments for oh, the entire easily. season. Easily. So that that's that's where we're at. Is we feel. On paper, there are some things that you can kind of sketch in, barring any major developments here the next week. But there is still some questions that's going to be kind of interesting to an extent to see who's going to be your DH, yes. pretty much. Yes. Who's your DH, and how do you utilize those roster spots? 
is what I would say are the big questions that the Twins will be asking themselves in this uh, spring training. And then we can be asking and maybe projecting out, so what's the perfect scenario? What would look very different for this Twins team if we didn't have Miguel the lodestones of Miguel Sano and the question mark that is Byron Buxton. All, yeah, all, all valid points. I Ostadio, I think, is the guy. Now that I look at this more, a little bit closer, he's a guy that kind of finished out that year. Again, all spring training dependent. All depends on what happens in end of February through March. Um, but he gives you some, weirdly, some position flexibility too, mm-hmm. which doesn't make sense for a 5'9", 225-pound <laughs> catcher. Like, this is – and then also it kind of worries me. But um, I think it's going to come down to, yeah, ex- uh, Austin Deal, can he be just a, a true utility guy? Um and or what do we do with the pitching stuff, which, third time mentioned it, we will get into. Yeah. Um, break this up a little bit. But um, kind of in closing here, where, and maybe some names who, if you have off the top of your head, but maybe more position-wise, because I think names get tricky when you're talking trades. But where do you identify a place, whether it's the outfield, infield in general? I think up the middle, we're pretty solid. I yep. think between shortstop and second base, we're kind of pretty much there, and we'd rather promote from within with, like, Nick Gordon. Yep. Um, or if Royce Lewis just tears the cover off the ball, in single A, double A this year. Maybe we do the nice double A to, to MLB promotion. Yeah. Um, but where do you see maybe some areas of need to go out and be willing to trade a Steven Gonzalez for mm-hmm. someone that could come in and be maybe a, a starter? I, I think that that's a great point, and I think it's that third base spot. I, yes. I, like, just zone in on that because if we're saying like that's their guy at first, or do we look for some kind of left-handed bat off the bench? Sure. So that those are the two. Third base... Left-handed bat off the bench would be the areas of kind of twins would be interested in. So that can be our I can be our homework assignment for this uh, for this next week as we also do our little research on the vaunted twins rotation led oh. by the Jo man himself, and that's about it. So we might need to have <laughs> something more to talk about. It, it, so it would be kind of ideally. I would love to see if there's some third basemen out there that could better. And then we could reshuffle everything and all of a sudden be like, Sano, you're playing DH. Yeah. And that's what you're doing. Yeah. And if you can't figure it out, we've got Austin down below that's going to hit with the same amount of power that you do. That totally maybe gets on base and doesn't swing as much as you, but I think they're all yeah. swinging away. I, I look at it and I, I agree with the third base route. I would also be interested if we brought in an outfielder, if we identify very early on that Buxton's not working and or that Kepler is kind of right place right time to trade him in value yeah um we, we also didn't mention kepler we kind of briefly mentioned it has first base flexibility yes that's something that you might look going forward of like maybe we to free up an outfield spot we do that and bring someone else in um but yeah Sano to me projects as a dh going forward i he's gonna have to play third just based on how the roster set up yeah. and then he's 25 and i think you've got to kind of really make sure that that piece of his like career arc is over yeah so Give 2019 the season to figure out, is this a guy that's going to stay at 260 and be able to play third? Or do we look at just making some crazy trade trade packages together around some guys to go after a guy that's... Some of these teams are going to run into money problems. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't like to think that we're going to get some of these guys, but it... Josh Donaldson, I think, would have been the perfect stopgap this there, year. There, there, yep. Is yes, you have to pay twenty three million, but it's a one year deal. Um, you're going to look at, hey, can can we convince? We don't. And that's the tricky thing with the pitching part, but can we convince a team that has 
too many guys that they need to pay. And I'm not saying that Chris Bryant is a Minnesota twin March 28th, 2019. But things like that situation of, and I'm kind of drawing blanks on other scenarios, so I'm going to use this one, of can we convince a team to just unload some of these, these prospects that, granted, the trend has not been there to develop them into these elite players that we thought they were, um, to bring in a guy like a Chris Bryant who can say, you know what, he's going to be a, a cornerstone we can build around. Um, you look at the value that Milwaukee had to give up for Yelich. Not crazy. Mm-hmm. And then he becomes the MVP and gets you to the NLCS. So uh, a lot of things discussed with that part, as well as a lot of it will have to do with pitching, which we'll yep. get into next week here, or for the next episode, rather. Um, Grant, I'm very excited that we didn't sign Eovaldi for a four-year, $17 million <laughs> a year contract, uh, which seems ridiculous. But um, and with that, uh, any... To kind of wrap up the, the position the players. La- the last thing, position players, just pulled up, available free agents on the third base spot is uh, Mike Moustakas. Ooh. Did he have like 210 last year? Uh, we're just going to pull up Mike's <laughs> moves pretty quickly right there. Uh, of course, he had a little time with Milwaukee at the end of the season, and he did hit 256 in Milwaukee okay. in 54 games um, with eight home runs in those, those games. Uh, he can play some third. He can play some third, and it would be pulling a guy from uh, that 2015 Royals team that we had so many headaches with of understanding why why them. But that that would I'm gonna I'm gonna dig into that a little bit more, and we'll put together what we think about this starting rotation and potentially this relief core, or uh, as you alluded to earlier, maybe this quasi relief starting pitching new age baseball, which of course will bring so many more people to the game of baseball, or the new money ball, the the the, the twin. Uh, we gotta come up with a better. Uh, alliteration name for it. Moneyball 2.0. Moneyball 0.5 in beta. Maybe we're going to regress it a little bit. But all right. Uh, with that, uh, that's it for this week. Now join us next time for Pitching Deep Dive. But until then, 2019. Yeah, 2019. Maybe. Maybe we'll figure it out. <laughs> all right.